When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Took the Bruins about 15 minutes to get the wake-up call, but they're wide awake now. Here's Pasternak closing. He scores! Florida once on a southern tour where I met this little redhead who was an underwater specialist. Arshon holds. Grizzlick has the puck hop on him. Pasternak tried to draw CC out of the geometry. The puck bounces all the way through. Bergeron scores for Arshon. Patrice Bergeron with one and two. Good game. I'm getting out of this hick town. Thank God there is still a sport for middle-sized white boys. <laughs> now taking it along is Krejci. Dropped it on back and it's a shot by Bergeron. Uh, but hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Bruins fans, welcome back to my Beers and Bruins episode 18. Uh, very special guest on the line. Uh, we, we are reconnecting. Um, we tried last week with a really bad internet connection from Louisiana, but I'm very excited to have my friend and Bruins diehard, very knowledgeable woman, Sharon Dietz on the line. Sharon, how's it going? It's going great. How are you, Mark? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, we talked uh, in, I believe, in September uh, yeah. to uh, to hype the season up for us and uh we talked uh, we, i think we touched on some really good topics about what to expect but in september did you expect this at all no not at all i mean i think for there was probably a good stretch of time where i really didn't think they were even going to make the playoffs and i'm sure my twitter feed will account for that so <laughs> absolutely yeah I, I i said the same thing i kind of said that you know for the past couple of years it seems like this Bruins team was just clinging on to life with 
like three or four points being out of it in, in previous seasons and um, just barely squeaking in. And, um, and you know, they, they lose to Ottawa in that, in that playoff series and they, they go to two rounds the next year. And then now I just love the progression that it's going, but honestly, I didn't see it. I didn't see it with the moves that were made over the summer. Uh, there was, and, and especially the moves that were made in this, uh, this trade deadline. Right. With, they weren't like explosive, like blow out of the water, you know, deals. They were more lateral move and, and, now key pieces to the lineup right i know it is pretty amazing it's i mean because initially you know at first i mean i didn't think they were going to make the playoffs and everything and then as the season went on and they just you know especially when they went through that stretch where you know and with all the injuries and everything and you just didn't think that it was just going to happen and somehow they managed to find a way um and they went on that amazing stretch what went like nine like points in 19 straight games or whatever and and like you, I mean, I wasn't super impressed with what they had done over the trade deadline. I mean, I was happy that they didn't ship a ton of pieces out. So, and I didn't really, you know, I mean, I do watch a ton of hockey, but I don't, I, you know, it's not like I see Minnesota all the time or, you know, I usually, you know, the Devils, you see them when you're, you know, when they're playing the Bruins or whatever. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect from uh, Charlie Coyle or Marcus Johansson outside of, you know, kind of everybody, especially with Coyle, because you heard so many people saying that they, he left you wanting more. Like you always felt that he had more to give and, and he's certainly, he's certainly given a lot so far. I mean, especially in the playoffs, he's been, he's been a key piece of why they've gotten, I think, where they've gotten through the playoffs for sure. So. Yeah. Um, I, on my black and gold hockey podcast that we normally record on the weekends, I, I mentioned when the trade happened, I wasn't very excited about it. Just for the fact is that for me, if I was the GM, I want to, I want to make a deal from a strong position, you know, go after a player that is like on a hot streak, you right. know? And so when I looked at the numbers, it was like, you know, six points in the last 28 games with Minnesota had me a little, you know, was this, was this deal just to, because, because he was a Boston guy. He grew right. up in Cleveland. So pleasantly happy that I was totally wrong and I got called out on Twitter <laughs> and, and by some big name media people too, by the way. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, maybe it was just an adjustment period that he needed. Maybe it was just something that I wasn't thinking about properly. But what an animal in the playoffs, like you mentioned earlier, uh, really stabilizing that third line and working well with um, with uh, David Backus when he has that when he when needed, um, right? So, I mean, things are looking good. I'm just I'm really happy about uh, where this team is right now. I'm not thrilled about the layoff. We'll talk about that, but more importantly, I'm thirsty. Hey. <laughs> so, I. <laughs> we got I made a a stone face IPA. Nice. Yeah. Is that local? Um, it's New Hampshire. Okay. Nice. Newington, New Hampshire. Nice. That's uh, I I go to the mall quite often in Newington. Oh, nice. Uh, I am drinking a uh, it's a a seasonal Sam Adams. It's Mm. a porch rocker, my favorite. God, (laughs) this one's going to be tough. Let me tell you, Sharon. I went out last night. (laughs) <laughs> I last night and watched the Blues game. 
Oh, yeah. yeah I didn't get home until like 1230. Oh, really? <laughs> so nice. here we go. You ready? Yep. Do it. There you go. Nice. Love that. All right. So let me take a sip for us. Go thirsty. Okay. So um, Don Sweeney is not worried about this long layoff. Are you? Um, I am a little, um, but I will say this. I mean, at least St. Louis is going to end up having, you know, five days off as well. So I think it's five, right? So, I mean, that makes me a little less worried because I feel that both teams are going to be a little bit rusty. Um, and I think it's kind of, you know, it's kind of nice that they're doing the scrimmage thing tomorrow night. I wish I could go because it would be kind of nice, especially since from what I understand, they're probably going to have some of the black aces that are, you know, up with the team. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I am concerned. And especially I think when I was watching the game last night um, and they've actually mentioned this a couple of times, they, uh, one of the announcers had mentioned that the team who has had the longest layoff has lost like the last six cups in, in, in a row. So I'm just like, Hmm, yeah. <laughs> that's not good. So I am, I am a little worried. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I am, I am a little bit, but I just, I, I, I don't know what it is with this group. I just think that they are, We'll be ready for whatever comes, but the um, the inter squad has me a little worried, mm. and I just don't I don't know if that's something that's wise. I get I get the whole you need to be inspired, you need to the body needs to be repetitive, and I get that with the gameplay and so on. But my thing is is like injuries. Right. Yeah. What if, that is, yeah. What if something happens? Unfortunately, I know there's not going to be any hitting. It's going to be more or less like a, uh, um, I think it's going to be anyway, like a, a game of shinny that you just, right. Want, almost like a keep away, but, um, one would hope so. Yeah. I, and I just hope that everybody stays safe. Uh, that's the key thing. And, and a lot of these veterans that are, who knows what they're going to say after the seat, after this is all over. Cause you know, right. You don't know what's happening to Bergeron. You don't know what's going on with Zabrowski. I mean, these guys could all of a sudden come out and after, after ho hopefully raising the cup, saying that, oh, I was, I had a punctured lung. Or you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, how the hell did you play? I mean, kudos. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I also think they're going to be smart. You know, I mean, I don't think any, like you said, it's probably going to be more like a shinny game. It's not, they're not going to go full you know, full bore. So my concern is, you know, some of the black aces or whatever, you know, trying to make a little bit of an impression and then maybe somebody gets a little too overexcited and, yeah. something ha you know, something stupid happens, but hopefully not, you know, I think I, 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 I'm, I think it'll be okay. Um, we already talked about the inter squad game. Uh, how much of a role do you think David Bacchus is going to play against his new team? Do you think he's going to be playing every game or is it going to be one of those guys that um, like after game one, if, if Bruce Cassidy is not seeing what he's, what he likes in the physicality department, uh, could he be inserted into game two or do you think he plays the whole series? 
I don't know if that's interesting. I, I kind of feel as if he might end up playing the whole series. I don't know. I just feel, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's because, you know, he is going to be playing against his former team and maybe there's, I think that playing against his former team, I think that there's more of an incentive for him to really kind of play well and stuff. And I don't necessarily know if his play would be, you know, he wouldn't be showing uh, Cassidy enough to stay in the lineup. Um, and I also think that with there being, because every time they switch venues, there's going to be, there's two days in between the game. So it's not, so I think that, that there's, you know, there's an additional rest there. So I think that might help him as well. Um, so I, I, I think he ends up playing the whole series. I feel. I think so too. And whether he's, um, a revol- you know, a revolving door type of player, um, or, or a full-time player. I think that he's going to add a real um, element of, like, scouting and, and what to look for from this team, how they attack right. uh, their net front presence. Because, honestly, I, I, I said this to a couple of guys at work today. They're like um, – I'm sorry, the other day. They mentioned that it's like, well, who do you think would the Bruins be better playing was it san jose or is it or is it st louis and i i said it was a hard answer to answer i'm just like that's that's one that's gonna take time and and they hate when i do that because i take like three or four hours and i'll come out and be like you know like einstein with an idea hey um <laughs> but both of those clubs they have an uncanny knack of net front presence um they cross the line and they power themselves to the net create havoc right. in front of the goaltenders um, but, and they're both good tipping teams. They, yeah. they put shots from the net, not, not heavy shots, more wrist shots. Let's see what happens, but, uh, very good skilled, um, eyes and, and timing. Uh, so that's something they're going to watch out for. But I mean, in previous rounds, uh, uh, especially in the third round against Carolina, it just didn't seem, it didn't matter because if it was going like a ping pong ball, uh, at Tukarask, he was finding it and just really right. covering it quick. So who knows what we're going to see? I mean, honestly, it's just like Cassidy said uh, in yesterday's um, um, press conference that, that he's, there's pretty much like twins, these two teams, because they, you can see some similarities in, in the lineups when you compare them both. So it should be interesting to, um, there's a lot of firepower on that side. And, yeah. You know, we, we, I think that we have more experience, especially in these playoffs, um, you know, not going to the Stanley Cup finals every year, but being a member in the, uh, in the playoff uh, scheme is important. Um, so I kind of give the, I want to give the edge to the Bruins big time. No, I'm not doing that because of bias either. It's just, it's just, you know, um, but the, the other thing is Jordan Biddington. This kid's been just unbelievable. Yeah. No kidding. And there's another thing about Bruins ties when it comes to him. Did you see him at all when he played in Providence? No, I didn't. It, it, very good. And do you know the story about well, him? Wasn't he, he was loaned to the Bruins, right? Because the, I forget where he was originally playing, but um, so, well, it must've been, you know, the, the farm team for St. Louis, but they didn't have, 
what was it? They didn't have room on the roster for him or they didn't, what happened? they loaned him to Providence for it. Yeah. What happened was, um, they, um, when the Vegas Golden Knights came into the league, they needed an affiliate. So somehow, I don't know how this all worked out. Um, I, I knew a while ago, but I've just had so much on my plate lately. I just kind of forgot, but, um, they they lost their farm team in Chicago, the Chicago oh, Wolves. Oh, that's right, yeah. And their new club, their new American Hockey League affiliate in San Antonio wasn't going to be official till this year. So all their players that were under contract and prospects were were basically scattered um, on both levels of, um, of minor pro hockey. Now – St. Louis does have an East Coast Hockey League affiliate. Now, from what I heard from um, uh, Darren Pang, uh, the, uh, he's a, uh, I think, an in-between-the-bench color guy on NBC mm-hmm. for the St. Louis Blues, and he mentioned that um, the option for Bennington was to go to the East Coast Hockey League, and he, mm-hmm. and he said, I would rather not do that because it's a level down. Right. So in his development, even as a 24, 25 year old, that wasn't the wise deal. So the option came to like, okay, well, where do we go? Where do we put him? And, and Providence was, you know, open, uh, um, you know, open their arms and welcomed him in the crease. And it was good because he really did a great job with, um, with Zane McIntyre last season. But here's my thing. When it comes to scouting and so on, the funny thing is, is Bob Asenza, the Bruins goalie coach, and uh, recent hire, Mike Dunham, former NHL uh, goaltender himself for the Rangers and the uh, Nashville Predators, taught were, um, were the goalie coaches. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, goalie oh, Bob. Yeah, he's, he's got an edge. <laughs> he's got it. He's got all his weaknesses. Right. Got where to shoot, when to shoot. I heard one nugget that Bob said today that he, he, he's, he's very good at making that first save. Uh-huh. But that second one, if he does not cover it up, is normally in the back of the net. Oh, really? Yeah. So that should be interesting and in how that whole, you know, the, the scouting and the intel, and how, how that is going to work and how that's going to play out in a goaltender that's just having a real story season this year. Right. Just really, uh, I mean – I could I consider him rookie of the year in my opinion. Um, oh but, yeah. yeah, he is he is one of the the candidates for rookie of the year, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. But um, what about uh, what about your thoughts on on the series coming up? Do you have any any concerns or anything at all that you, that's that's like on your mind, or do you think that this Obviously, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but... Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, I definitely think it's going to go six or seven games. And and I think that, um, I mean, the one thing that concerns me a little bit is just the size of St. Louis because they have a lot of big bodies. And, but, I, you know, I mean, taking that and also looking at what they did against Columbus, who is also, you know, kind of like a heavier team. And so, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a great series. And I'm, I'm 
really looking forward to it. And I'm glad that St. Louis won instead of San Jose. <laughs> so, um, and I think it's a really cool story with, you know, David Backus and, you know, going, you know, finally making it to a Stanley Cup final. And here he is playing against his former team who he was a captain for for five years. And, and that's going to be kind of an interesting, you know, dynamic to that whole situation. And, you know, you've got another connection with Jordan Bennington being, you know, having been the goalie for Providence. And that's a kind of interesting story. So I think there's a lot of interesting aspects between the whole St. Louis and Boston. And I don't know if you saw, somebody had posted all the different, you know, the various uh, championships that Boston and St. Louis have played against each other. Um, and Boston's won the majority of them. And I also think it's really cool that here you have, you know, 49 years later, Little history. last time that St. Louis made it to the Stanley Cup final was in 1970. And, you know, and here you have, you know, the most iconic NHL photo yeah. is basically from that game. So it's, it's, oh, it's really that. cool. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I got I, one. I, I'll get mine hanging right there. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Can't see that on the podcast, but we do have uh, our own little uh, um, honors to uh, the great Bobby Orr and the, the most iconic photo, like you mentioned. Um, one thing that, yeah, looking back, I, I took a screenshot because I wanted to save this uh, for today's episode. So let me just pull it up. Is is the uh, is the series uh, in the regular season between these two clubs, and uh, the Bruins went one zero and one. And the good thing about that is the the Bruins got six goals in those two games. Uh, they outscored them. Sorry, six to three, which right. is good. The thing that really uh, the penalty kill was fantastic. There was seven for seven in both games, while um, the penalty kill for the, um, I'm sorry, wow, well, but the penalty kill during those two games was seven for seven. The one concerning thing for me was the power play in those two games, and that that was one for three. So, in those two regular season games, the, the whistles were obviously put away, right? Almost like almost like a playoff matchup, but with those offensive threats, Tarasenko. Uh, George Swartz and you know Bowmeister, even though he's 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 like the St. Louis Chara, the old guy in the on the blue line, you know, there's a lot of elements right there that that can make a series uh, very riveting, put it right. that way. So um, it's just for me, it's just the way they're going to have to handle the pressure uh, of being in the limelight of the Stanley Cup playoffs and 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 how that relates with um, a new coach that. Um, obviously has never been here before and some players that have never been there before, but the good mix of veterans that have uh, seen uh, championship silver in 2011 is, is a trickle down effect of, of inspiration, what to do and, 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 and um, a little bit of uh, like, like calming. It's a calming feeling, you know what I mean? So all those emotions mixed up in one is certainly going to make a, a one hell of a series, but um, it's like I said, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. And I think that, I mean, I also think that, you know, they might be able to draw from losing in, you know, 2013, you know, and I, you know, I, I think that where the Bruins have the advantage is that granted they don't have a, a coach that has been there before, but they do have 
a good core group of players that have been there before and, and have been to the Stanley Cup final twice, you know, in one, one they lost and one they won. But then you look on the St. Louis side and I don't know if, I mean, I mean, I know for sure I, I'm, well, I'm pretty certain that Craig Berube has never been there yep. and I'm, you know, I don't know as far as how many of their players have actually been, you know, I mean, I, I don't think any of the players on their roster right now have been to a Stanley cup final. So I don't believe so either. I feel as if Boston has a little bit of an edge in that sense, because I think the veterans might be able to, if the younger players are a little bit overexcited or over, you know, over anxious, or I think they might, they might be able to kind of calm them down. And, you know, I, I think, I think that kind of helps them to a, a certain degree. So at least um, I'm hoping that helps anyway. Uh, speaking of help, um, the officiating in, in all of these playoffs uh, has been absolutely terrible and they should all check themselves in to get their head checked. Um, especially the people that, that appoint these officials to certain tasks and jobs and so on. But I know we talked about it a little bit on the uh, Black Go Lucky podcast, the recent one, uh, episode 128. Um, but I'm a little concerned with the officiating moving forward, and it definitely has to be addressed uh, over this summer, whether it be whistles, um, just terrible calls. Make a difference. Pick a lane. Either, either your regular season rules or your playoff rules. You know what I mean? It's like, right. where's the difference? Because it's, it's obviously not being interpreted the right way. Right. But the other sad part about this is some of the officials that were officiating in like the first round, I, I believe oh. it was the Bruins, the Bruins and Maple Leafs series, that those officials were all suspended. They were not allowed to return. Oh, really? That, yeah. I mean, oh, that just I didn't realize you. there were any officials from that series. I mean, I knew that there were officials, the officials from the St. Louis, uh, uh, San Jose, Vegas. I know they were out. Okay, so maybe maybe I got the series messed up. I, I all I know all I know is that there were officials were suspended and asked not to return. So I'm I I think I got the series mixed up. Yeah, there have been two series that that's happened, and one. The San Jose uh, Vegas one, after you know the Pavelski thing, that whole uh, fiasco happened, and then I'm oh I, I'm pretty sure that I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure what the other series is, but there have been two series over the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs where the officials have been asked to not come back, which is crazy. And you think of how many. I mean, especially when you look at San Jose and you think of the amount of calls that have gone their way that have been really egregious and have basically resulted in them being able to move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, luckily the the last one, which was during the San Jose, uh, the St. Louis series, was, you know, like the hand pass and that nobody caught the hand pass. But the other two, I mean, basically the call against, you know, that went against Vegas in their series that basically put them forward. And the, the one against Colorado with the, you know, with Landeskog being supposedly offsides and he was basically like making a change and he was at the bench and 
that was just so, and there's just been so many just missed calls and it is, and it has really kind of affected a handful of series. So you just hope that that gets cleaned up during the finals. And I know there's, there's been a call for, you know, to have every, every goal reviewed <laughs> during the Stanley cup final. Wow. And I, I mean, I personally, I'm not sure I would be opposed to that because especially if it's, if it's a game winning goal, if it's, it, it could mean the, I mean, you're talking about the Stanley cup and you want to get it right. Yeah. Want to make sure the officials on the ice are getting it right and that they're seeing things. Yeah. Because this there's is, been so many things that they've missed. This is a lot more than two regular season points. Right. You, know? yeah, you, can, exactly. you can give you can give up those games any day of the week. You know what I mean? But, right. But this this is just you have to get it right. Yeah. One thing that I'm worried about, I just actually thought about it, is 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 how the Bruins are gonna go into it. You know, are they gonna go into it like they did with, with uh Vancouver in two thousand eleven? I don't think you're going to see that team. I don't think you're going to be seeing jabs from from no. Marshan and, and and one of the Sedin's faces. I think they're going to be you know a little stricter on that. Well, and I also think that Marshan's just not that not that player anymore. I mean, right. I think he's he's matured a lot, and I don't think you're going to see bit. that. Yeah. Into, yes, a little bit. <laughs> Who knows? You know, but yeah. I don't think. But you know, I mean, you're tight. I mean, if, if there's there's any indication that he might be a little bit more contained, you know, when he pulled Clifton off and out of that scrum, you know, you, you hope that that's an indication that he knows the importance of the situation and he, he's, he's done with hurting his team by doing something stupid. So. That's right. That's right. Putting the, uh, putting his name on the front and not the back is just, you know, he's, a little more discipline, especially in right. games like this when when there's so much you, you guys worked their asses off to get to this point. You just don't want to make a stupid penalty and then put right. your, you know yourself at a disadvantage. So right. ho- hopefully like, hopefully like every- Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the C. I'm doing the C thing for the podcast people. Um but yeah, it's, I mean I think it's just going to be a, just a bowl full of emotions, and we're just going to see how, how these both of these teams dial in, and especially game one. I think game one is going to be one of those BLO um, points of the series. Um, I think it's going to be physical. I think it's going to be physical to the point that they're actually going to get a read on what the officials are going to do and how far they can push them. So that's, that's, that right there in itself should make it very interesting. Um, but I, I really, really, really do have a really good feeling about this team. I think this team is a lot better than the O eleven team, um, especially defensive wise. If it, I mean, that could be, I, you know, you call me out if you want, but I kind of think that that is true. Um, even with a, an old Achara, um, and it seems like he's got a broken wheel um, or, or fighting through something. That's probably something we'll hear about later on. Right. Um, but uh, how about thoughts on him and um, then? Was that fourth game against the Carolina uh, necessary to add just a couple more days, and then all of a sudden the the eleven day break um, time good time for him to heal and be ready? I think so. I mean, I think yes. I mean, 
you know, keeping him out of that game, I, I was fine with, you know, especially, I mean, okay, let's be a little precautionary. You know, it, you don't know how serious it, it was at the time. And I think that keeping him out and just making, you know, the small adjustments or whatever, I, I don't have a problem with. And giving him some extra time to heal and, you know, because you, you, you take the risk of whatever it was that was bothering him getting worse and then, you know, maybe if it went to a game five or then him possibly not being available for several games as opposed to just one. And I think that they all knew that they really needed to just close this out and, you know, everybody stepped up and did what they needed to do to make sure that they closed that series out and that they could just move on. So I didn't have a problem with him sitting out. And I think it was probably better to give him some extra time off just because, you know, I mean, he is 42. And yes, he does take an amazing care of his body and he's probably a beast, but you know, you don't know what he's fighting. And it's obviously it's something lower body, whether it's knee or whatever. I mean, you could definitely tell there was something that he was battling. And I, you know, one extra day, I mean, in the scheme of things, I think it's probably going to benefit more than it will be a hindrance. So, um, Who on this Bruins team do you think needs to be uh, an impact player in this series? And what I mean by that, obviously you probably know what I mean, but is there somebody that hasn't really shown their – complete ability in any of these playoffs that would you'd love to see like hey this is when we really need you um I think for me I think it's uh hmm, that's a good question um I think for me it's probably either Jake DeBrusque or um I think it's, yeah, probably Jake DeBrusque. I mean, I, I think that – I know that he's, you know, he probably – he's in a little bit of a scoring slump. and But I, I think that he definitely, you know, has a little bit more to give. And I feel like maybe he might have been battling a little bit of something. And so maybe the time off for him is going to be super beneficial. Um. Yeah, I would. I mean, he's he he would be my main person that I I would think needs to maybe kind of try to do a little bit more or be more of an impact. Yeah, player. more of a presence. Yeah, exactly. I I have also have Jake DeBrus because he's just a he's a he he just reminds me of that complete player. I mean, you got Bergeron, which is just he's just the perfect player. Um, and what I mean by that is he plays a good 200-foot game. He's really defensive-minded. Um, but with Jake, Jake's got the speed, the skill, the vision, the hockey IQ, but he can also be physical. Right. And I, like, I like that a lot in players. I don't like players that are passengers that just seem to, seem to glide along with the puck and do good things. I understand that. But when it comes down to the physicality along the boards or in front of the net, you're not there. Um, but another player I would really like to see step up and possibly take on a bigger role for some of these players that uh, have obviously been on this team for a while is Danton Heinen. 
Yeah. Um, I like the way that he's been playing on the third line with Bacchus and, and Coyle. And I also like the way that he's been inserted into the first line if needed, because we, we both know that Cassidy does uh, change his lines on the fly to see if he can get some chemistry, some hotness going on. And then if it doesn't work, it goes back to the thing. It's all passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! It's going to be amazing to see the matchups between Berube and Cassidy and what goes on with uh, that whole thing. But I, I really hope that the first line of Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak just, just light this team up. Yeah. Know? I mean, I, I think they're probably going to have a better series against San, uh, St. Louis than they have. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I feel like they're probably going to be more of an impact than they have been in the other, the other series. I don't know why, but, and I know that, you know, St. Louis, they're, they're definitely a team that can roll four lines and they start, I mean, just even last night's game, for instance, I mean, you know, they, he started his fourth line every period. They basically started the game with the fourth line and then they ended pretty much almost ended the game, you know, ended each period with the fourth line. So, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think that that first line will, if they end up being matched up against St. Louis's first line, I, I, I think that line is going to be a, a force against yeah. them. I don't know why I just do. Yeah. Yeah. Should be good. <clears throat> um, the game is Monday night. And and I think Monday Wednesday, and then you said that there's a two day break in between for travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So then the next game, the yeah, it should be Thursday Friday. Yeah, I think the the first game in St. Louis is Saturday, I believe. Crazy, awesome! I have no obligations on Sunday, so I can go out and rip it up if I want. I gotta stop doing that on school nights, man. I felt terrible today. <laughs> oh man, I'm I am not thirty anymore. <laughs> um, uh, do you have any questions at all that you want to chime in on? Um, actually, I do. I mean, it. I'm just curious as to your kind of take on the prospects that you know might we might end up seeing next season or, you know, kind of what your thoughts are. Cause I know you follow them a lot, I've, a lot. And I mean, I've, I watched a, as many of the Providence games as I could, but I'm just curious as to, you know, who you think might end up 
you know, ending, you know, come up next season, you know? I honestly think that um, the, it, it all depends on what happens with player like Nola Chari. Um, right. if, if they can't come to terms, I, I, I kind of have a feeling that Nola Chari was going to be the, um, the, the, wa- not the Wagner. Oh, I can't remember his name now. He was from New Hampshire and went to. Uh, oh, Tim Schaller. Yeah, Tim Schaller. Mm-hmm. I think that he adds value and so on, but I just don't think that the way the prospects are pushing like a player like Ryan Fitzgerald could definitely play the right side in, in, in uh, Chari departure. Um, and that also, like some of those small moves, like what do you do with Nordstrom? Right. Do you, do you resign um, uh, Johansson? Um, yeah, Coyle's got another year. Right. But if those if those departures do happen, I see Trent Frederick possibly being a full timer next season. Uh, if if not more games than just three or four, uh, I definitely see Jack Stanika possibly cracking the lineup. Uh, he was really close last season. Um, that depends on what happens with him over the um, the off season and and training camp and how impressed um, and how he impresses those the uh, Bruins brass to get him into the lineup for the 1920 season. Um, but I mean, I could see definitely like, like Coolman sticking around. Um, uh, those are, I think that's about it right now because there's so many contracted players on, right. on the NHL level right now that just, you don't know what they're going to be doing with them. And I, I like the, I like them because the fact is that, the prospects can always come up and it's a really low cap. It's under a million dollars entry level deal. So you can insert them in a lineup cap friendly deal. And you can also address other areas by bringing in uh, via trade, via free agent signings. That's another thing. I didn't even think about the free agent signings that could happen. Right. That could, could, I mean, the class this summer after July 1st is a lot better than it's been in the past year. Last year, last year it was highlighted by, uh, John Tavares, he was the big fish that everybody went after. But this other really good players that need contracts and so on. So it depends on how aggressive they want to go. The Bruins want to go after, uh, especially if they lose. Unfortunately, if they do not win the cup against St. Louis, right? I think that's a, that's an idea that they say, okay, we still have a window of these players like Bergeron, Martian, Brask, and Char, and blah blah blah. But our window is now one year we have one more year to get this to make this happen and i think that that would be the the appropriate time to attack the free agent class use the appropriate uh cap space available and if that doesn't work if he doesn't go out and make the big signings then then those smaller players can come in like studenica and frederick and so on um but players that in my opinion, for the uh, uh, the American Hockey League, Providence Bruins next season. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, like Oscar Steen, watch watch out for this kid. Yeah. Very, very fast forward career year over in the SHL Swedish Hockey League. Um, I think in fifty something games last year, he only had like nine points. This year, he he, and it's it, it's not because of he wasn't playing well it's 
I'm not sure if you ever watch any European hockey. I don't catch a lot of it now. <clears throat> it's very offensive. Mm-hmm. They play defense and so on. They do, but it's not like 200 by 85. The rink is like 210 by 100 or something right. like that. So there's a lot more. It's a lot more creativity and so on. But I think Oscar took a huge uh, leap in his development and uh, really had a career year for uh, uh, Yara. Uh, I can't even say it, but um, he's coming over. He signed an entry-level deal, so he'll be inserted into the American Hockey League lineup. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, potentially could even, you know, possibly crack the NHL lineup. Who knows? Right. Uh, but I think that a player like him that um, comes over from Europe and that change in ice, now you're just in, you know, you're basically going from a, a living room type of game into a closet. Right. You know, so – how he adjusted that. I think a full season in the American Hockey League to get used to the system, get used to how the Bruins want him to learn and so on is going to be beneficial. And I, I, I say the same thing too. I'm going all over the place on the whole prospect talk, but I could definitely see Jack Sneaker staying down there and getting a year. Because let me ask you, do you honestly think that Jake DeBrusque would have had that rookie season if he didn't, if he went from the WHL right to Boston? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I, I think it's so is, important. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, I mean, I feel like, you know, just, um, uh, Sidnika is primarily a center. And if you've got coil for another year, manning the third line, like, what are you going to do with him? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna try to, you know, maybe you experiment a little because I mean, let's be honest, they still haven't found a, a right winger for a Krejci. I know. So, that's still, you know, I mean, you think about how many different line mates Krejci has played with this entire season, and it's up to 12 thereabouts. So, oh, I didn't even think it was that high. Do they throw him on, you know, on Krejci's right wing to see if he can stick there? Or because if they're gonna, they're gonna keep him at center, then he would definitely, I think, would stay down in Providence because. Like I said, you've got Coyle and you've got Corrali, who's going to be the fourth line center. Because Corrali, I think, is Corrali an unrestricted? Corrali is is he a restricted free agent this season, or is it next at the end of this season, or is it the end of next season? No, he's a UFA after next season because he recently signed his two-year deal. So he's, okay, and that was one point two seven five million. So yeah, his UFA year is twenty one twenty two. Oh, okay. Okay. So he'll be, I mean, he'll be on the fourth line. You're not going to, you know, so I think that if they don't, they don't look to put Stanika on maybe the second, you know, on Krejci's wing, then I think that he stays in Providence. And then of course you've got Jakob Blauko. Yep. Very good. I'll talk about, I'll talk about him in a minute, but you know, what's interesting. I'm looking at cap friendly right now. And uh, David Krejci is um, one year away from his, his contract being over. I know. And they say Stitnika could possibly be his replacement. So that 20, that 2021 year might be important for David's last season as a Bruin and uh, uh, another full, a full season in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins. Oh, wow. And then – say goodbye to David. I, I honestly don't think that he's the type of player that's going to want to take a, a, a pay cut. He might wow. want to go somewhere else to, to try he's to get gonna, him. Yeah. 
So, well, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think that whether he stays with the Bruins or if he were to go someplace else, I mean, I can't imagine any other club giving him, I mean, based on the age that he'll be at the end of that contract, I do you see anybody else kind of giving him the, you know, close to what he's getting now, which is what, like 7.2? Exactly. 7. Bingo. So. Yeah. And, um, He'll be uh, 34 when his contract is over. Right. So that, that's, that's risky. That is yeah. risky. And the only thing I can think of is that, you know, if he really wants to stay in Boston, then he would take, you know, I, I mean, he would do kind of what Chara has done and take, you know, less and maybe do it year to year and see how it goes. And you know what I mean? Yep. I mean, 34 at that point. You, you never know, you know, so. But that's that's just one of those situations when the prospects are just really just pushing, pushing up. Right. You know, they're ready to go. And it's like, okay, so what do you do? Are they ready now? And are we, can we make him, make a player like uh, Krejci expendable? Right. Um, I mean, he's really surprised me this season and in these playoffs. He's yeah. been a real threat and, and, and a veteran um, presence to a team that's mixed with, of vets and um and and a couple year players mm -hmm. um so looking at cap friendly i can see that uh i'm just going to go down the list of players that are going to need contracts and I'll, I'll mention their rfa ufa status but uh danton heinen uh is an rfa needs to be resigned nolachari uh, 27 years old i honestly don't think that he's going to be returning i don't um, think so either yeah, Marcus Johansson is could be he could be resigned maybe like like you mentioned uh, maybe a year entertain a year at a time I wouldn't go more than two yeah I wouldn't do a five year with him I, and it's not it's, I'm not saying that he's he's a bad player but if you look at his his injury history that's a concern right you know so and who wants a player that's always injured on on this Bruins team. How many right. more years we have to go through of seeing these guys suffer? Yeah, I like <laughs> Kevin Miller. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and speaking to him, uh, uh, St Stephen Camper, uh, thirty-year-old. I don't think that he's returning. I don't uh, think so either. Unless they want him to be that 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 rotation, that seventh defenseman rotation, I, I'll do that. But uh, big name players, Charlie McAvoy and and Brandon Carlo, RFAs, they're going to need to be resigned. And yeah. What kind of deals are they going to make? How much cap are they going to eat? Um, and not only well, that. And oddly enough, I mean, I've heard, you know, there's been some rumors out there that the uh, Carlo deal is already done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I broke that. I've heard that for, yeah, like, so that it'll be interesting if that is the case. And then, you know, then you just have to kind of see what McAvoy does because there's been – a little bit of a back and forth, whether because he didn't have such a great season this year. Um, and granted, you know, he's been playing a little bit better, you know, towards the end and into the playoffs, but there's been talk about maybe he himself wants to kind of do a bridge deal and, you know, kind of bet up, you know, hedge bets on himself. So we'll see what happens there, but yeah. All right. So if, if, even if they would do, if they were going to do a bridge deal, what would you do? What would be the dollar value that you would do if you were sitting in Don Sweeney's sleep? For Bridge, for him, I don't know. I mean, I think you're talking somewhere between like four to five million for, yeah. you know, for what, three years? I was going to say that. Five, five for three. 
and then kind of go, you know, and then kind of go from there. Because here's the thing. It's like, there's no way that, I mean, I think that even if they don't choose to do the bridge deal route and then they try to go for a term or whatever, I don't see him, I don't see him making more than Bergeron. Yeah. I mean, I think that's basically kind of, I mean, at this point, you have to take him as your your guide. That's your buy. Yeah, exactly. And there's nobody else that's going to make more than him until you know um, until he leaves. I mean, because you have to you have to take Krejci and Rask and just throw them out the window because they were done. You know, well before Bergeron just resigned his contract a couple of years ago. So you have to set that as kind of like what your internal cap is going to be because mm-hmm. he is. I mean, he's basically the man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfection, Patrice. Exactly, yeah. All right, so the next one, and this is an intriguing one. Now, you said you'd bridge Charlie McAvoy five for three years. So yeah. the next one on the list is the biggest one that's having the biggest year on the back end, and that's Brandon Carlo. Now, this is an intriguing one for both of us because we – I obviously want to see players like McAvoy and Carlo stay long-term, but to make it all work, like you mentioned, bridge deal might be a good idea for McAvoy, but is it a good idea for Carlo? No, I don't think so. I don't think so because Carlo doesn't have the offensive upside that you're going to see from McAvoy. I mean, he just had an unusual year with his injuries and stuff and, so I think that the he definitely has a far greater offensive upside to him. And I think Carlo is basically going to be your, you know, your stay-at-home defenseman shutdown guy, which he has definitely shown that he can be. So I don't think you do a bridge deal with him. I think you do, you know, I think you want to lock him up. You want to do a long-term deal with him. And I think, you know, I mean, given the fact that he doesn't, really have the upside that McAvoy has, I think you're looking probably, I don't know, maybe three to four for maybe, you know, like six years thereabout. Yeah, I would that's think not a bad number either. No, I don't think so. And just just by the way that these players like um Bergeron and Pasanak and and Marchand, they they didn't go out and demand the big dollar. Um, mm-hmm. and and that might have been the market at that certain time. But having players like Pasternak take a $6 million deal and not expect and not get a ton might set an example for younger players like McAvoy and, and, and Carlo to say, I like what they're doing here. I like the, the, the winning environment that they bring every day. I want to be a part of this for a long time. And I also want to make sure that I'm not hindering the, the – or compromising the salary cap in any way that we can't get players in and uh, for the additions to make another cup run or, or win a Stanley cup. So I think that that's very important for players to think about that. It's, it's, it's not all about them. Like caves and Tane. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've been really tired, but Kane and Taves are like perfect examples of, I don't think they were playing. I don't think they were thinking about the team when they when they signed that contract because it's right. twenty million dollars tied up in yeah. the gap, almost a yeah. quarter. That's crazy. So when players do that, like pass the neck, and and trust me, 
when I was at camp and he was not there last season, oh, I was yeah. so worried, but um, thankfully he signed and came in because I, I thought he was a type of player. I want $10 million, <clears throat> excuse me, or I'm not going to play. I'm going to hold out. So kind of do what, um, what the Maple Leafs, uh, Nylander. Oh, Nylander did, yeah. yeah so, I mean. Yeah, and look at the year he had. I mean, I know. he 100% didn't warrant the contract they gave him. So, yeah, and, yeah they're going to have an interesting cap situation soon. There's a lot of teams they've that are going to be like that. They've got like, Marner to yeah. resign. And, I'm hearing that he could be traded. And he wants, you know, and, and no doubt. I mean, he was he had better numbers than Matthews, and he's going to want – Was, was that Marshan as his as – his, uh, as is, oh, I can't even, I can't even talk today. Um, agent, agent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah giving, what do you say, like 14 million? Yeah. Like uh, it's like, wow, that Martin is good. He should get four, uh, a 12 or something like well, that, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, I, I mean, he's probably going to want, you know, close to what Matthews is getting. I mean, he yeah. has better numbers than him. He, oh. he definitely had a much better year offensively than he did. So, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be in an interesting situation for sure. Also, watch out. Speaking of Marner, watch out for like the old um, uh, office sheet. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm hearing an awful lot of people saying that uh, office sheets could be very very well done uh, this off season. That they really, it's it's more or less like a gentleman's thing that you don't do. Right, they, they could really attack that, and I think that a lot of teams might even offer a, a sheet to Marner, and and because what are you going to lose, honestly? Right. If you offer sheet him and Toronto doesn't match, right. But then, yeah, I mean, because obviously you're not going to throw an offer sheet out unless you know you can cover it cap wise. Yeah. So did you and, know that? Did you know that a player like him could garner four? first round picks oh my so, god yeah oh it's not that's not it there's so much more wow if you give up four first round picks or the first pick of any draft for the next four seasons plus second rounds third rounds you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to um copy and paste something that i have uh, on file and i'll send it to you um on the different things that like if you go after a certain group um ufa uh-huh. that it, it'll garner this but if oh, you go wow. after a group six it only garner like a second round or this and that but it's very front loaded to the younger player right it's really oh, interesting funny. really interesting um let's end the sh- end the show by talking about the some of these prospects like uh like you mentioned Jakob lauko uh, he is currently playing in the Memorial Cup in Halifax, Nova Scotia, for the Ruin Naranda Huskies. He had a great rookie season. I was I was fascinated by this kid and his speed um, at development camp after the Bruins picked him in the third round. Um, I, I, th- I saw a lot, and uh, I actually thought that he was going to be going back to his Czech Republic uh, uh, native country. And but the thing that Ruin Naranda drafted him in the import draft i believe in 2017 so the the bruins said well would you want to go back to europe we're going to play on the big sheet or mm-hmm. would you like to come to play for the queue in the queue for renaranda um and get that north american style of hockey now and 
beam a little more up to speed. But he's been fantastic. I mean, he's a work in progress, like all prospects are. He's just he's he's fast. He's intelligent with the um, with his uh, decisions, but when he's full speed, his puck handling skills are just a little down. And the one th one thing that I was a little disturbed at is when he first came to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League after leaving um, the Czech Republic, he was. I heard he was really stubborn on learning the two-way game. Oh, really? Because oh. I think that that's what they do over there. They're very um, offensive-minded. Uh huh. So uh, that's the way the league and the cookie crumbles over in Europe. But he's he's he learned that over the year and into these playoffs. And I believe that now he's not a complete player. It's still a work in progress, but the things to work on. But he's now accepting more roles in, in that two-way game which i think is uh is, is so important but um he's got a three-year entry-level deal i i think that he could go back to her and Miranda and play another season and then come to providence uh just the way everything's lining up on the top for the bruins and contracts right. um but uh i don't know what's going to happen with anders bjork uh, he's a, I know, he's, yeah, he's kind of like the big question mark because yeah, he's an RFA. I feel like um, a lost season for him, and I feel like, you know, I mean, he's he's actually, you know, I mean, somebody depending on how he comes back and how he is in development camp. I mean, maybe they try him at right wing with Krejci. I mean, he played up with Bergeron and Marchand yeah, for yeah. a little bit, and he seemed to do pretty well there. So. I mean, he's just another one of those players that unfortunately kind of, you know, got hit with two weird injuries yeah. early on and has basically had, I mean, two lost seasons pretty much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I kind of completely forget about him. Yeah, just <laughs> he's not about him, yeah. But he's, he's got um, one more season, the nineteen twenty year and that he's an RFA, so is Zach Sanishin, so um, both 22 years old. Um, but one thing that concerns me is goaltending. Mm. I, I know that uh, Kyle Kaiser, uh, he had a, a, a career year with um, the Oshawa Generals, uh, made it to the playoffs, um, played very well. But his placement in the American Hockey League next season might force the uh, the hand of the Bruins to um, walk away from Zane McIntyre. Oh, yeah. So then you'll have a tandem of uh, Kyle Kaiser and, and, and Daniel Vidar, which I think is a, is a great American Hockey League um, uh, tandem. But I'm also hearing that the Bruins are interested in signing, which could happen in the next week or two, as another goaltender. And I heard from a source that it is in the Midwest – no, yeah. it's not. I was not told it's a college kid. It's from the USHL. Nothing. All I heard was he's in the Midwest and the Bruins are heavily scouting him. So, <laughs> but that opens up and that opens up a tremendous opportunity in the East Coast Hockey League level for another goaltender. So, right. I mean, you can get on there. Those guys see a lot of pucks, and that's a good move. Like we talked about, Bennington not wanting to go to the East Coast Hockey League because it's a level down, and it might deprive his uh, development. As like Daniel Vodar did in his first pro year, spent the whole season down there and really benefited from 
that crease time because they, they do, they get a lot of shots. I mean, a right. lot of shots. And so it's too bad for, uh, for Zane. It's just, you really didn't do much at all to impress anybody in his time yeah. in the NHL. I mean, which was unfortunate. Yeah. You can blame the guys in front of them too. They weren't that good. Right. But as a prospect that the Bruins really count on and so on, it's kind of like, damn, you know, that's too right. bad that it didn't work out. But he's and, been oh, he, property for like 10, uh, almost nine years now. Oh, wow. He was drafted in 010. Wow. And he didn't have the best of seasons this year either. No. So, I mean, he struggled a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, there was a handful of games that I watched this year and I was just like, oof, that's, yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I have to say, I mean, overall, I wasn't super impressed with the, I, I mean, I think Providence as a whole didn't have a really great season and they kind of picked it up towards the end and, you know, they did end up making the playoffs and, but I thought as a whole, they didn't really have that great of a season. So I'm not sure how much of that is an indication on goaltending or it's, you know, I think there's like, there was a whole combination of things that were in play that resulted in, you know, them not having the greatest of seasons. So. Yeah. They get, hopefully they do a little better. I, and I understand that the, the Providence Bruins and the minor pro system of the Boston Bruins is not built to win Calder Cups every year. Right. They're there to support the NHL Boston Bruins and their journey to a Stanley Cup. So. Right. Um, it should be interesting what the team looks like next season because I could definitely see, um, like Lee Stepniak not coming back, Jamel Smith not coming back, Ryan Fitzgerald. I would really like to see this guy resigned, and I'm actually surprised that he's not. He's 24 year old out of BC. He plays. Uh, he's a versatile forward. Plays the right side and the center. Uh, Peter Solarik needs a contract. Uh, yeah. Jordan Jordan Swerves. Oh, you want to hear a nugget about Jordan Swerves that I heard? The Bruins told him to go up and be a black ace. He reported to Don Sweeney and said, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. What? Yeah. Yeah. And because he wasn't, I think that he, he knew he wasn't going to be used. And, but not only that, I have uh, intel that the Bruins are not going to resign him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because they resigned, they signed Paul Carey. To right. A deal. And I believe that he's going to be the new um, Providence captain next season. Oh, interesting. So, which makes which makes Swords now a you know a free agent and expendable because of that right. signing. But I kind of thought it was a little bit unprofessional. Yeah, you know no kidding. I mean? Like, why wouldn't you garner that opportunity to at least get an insight as to what you know it is to be a professional hockey player? And you yeah. kind of, I mean, because they're around them all the time, right? And they they participate in practices and yeah. they. They, yep. They're up there watching the games and stuff. So why wouldn't you use that opportunity to kind of get a, an insight as to yeah. what the daily grind of it? Yeah, that's that's interesting. And um, let me see. Mark McNeil, definitely not coming back. And here's the other one is uh, you obviously heard what happened to Jakob Voisbacher Carlson. Yeah, he went back to Sweden. He went back to Sweden. And I, I was uh, got in contact with a um, – a person in the Providence area that's close to the team. And they mentioned that um, uh, he's a little homesick for the fact is that his father is ill oh. and has been, has been diagnosed with some kind of um, illness and it's progressively getting worse. Um, oh, wow. But the past year, 
oh. two, the past year or two, his mother would come over a couple times a month. But as his health got worse over in Sweden, she stopped coming over to the States. Oh, wow. So I think that I don't want to speculate on how bad his father is. And we, I hope that he does get um, the help he needs and recovers. Um, but I just think that that was an important thing for him to be with family. And I get it. Right. Oh, yeah, 100%. And also here in room is that they want to move him. Oh. Uh, you know, well, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And I think that hopefully they would let him take the time to, you know, maybe get his game back and stuff. Because, I mean, honestly, if you basically spent the last year kind of knowing that your, you know, your dad's health is deteriorating and that, and you're away from home and you yeah. can't, especially, I mean, what is he? He's 21? 22. 22. Yeah. So... You know, I mean, family's still kind of a huge part of your life when you're that young. And to be that far away from home and know that there's not anything that you can do about it, should something seriously happen, that's going to weigh heavily on you, whether you um, try to, you know, kind of put it out of your head or not. So, And that's the, that's a, that's the tough thing about it is like I, I saw a tweet the other day, I think it was yesterday when the news broke, and it was like, uh, Mark Diver from the Providence Journal, he just, he said in his tweet that he's like, JFK just didn't look like himself. He just right. was not himself all year. And I, you know, I, I, I'm, it's heart wrenching, you know what I mean? But it's just, it's tough because he's just, he's got so much talent and so on. And it's just, it's just, it seems like everything's weighing on him. And, it, and unfortunately it, it seemed like his career was I don't know if it was going to continue or not. And then obviously, I mean, this move is a little better for him. He goes over to be close with his parents and work. He's going to work with a very, very good team. Right. Um, still Bruins property. Um, obviously I think they have to uh, tender an offer um, this summer to keep him on the, on the, it, it. but he also could be traded at the, uh, at the draft. That's a possibility too. So. Right. Regardless, I hope his family the best. You know, I, I met his father um, when he was when he was drafted. His, oh, mother, really? his mother is a is such a, a nice lady. I met both of them. I met um, I met JFK's mother, and I met Anton Bleed's father. And oh my god, Anton's father is a riot. Oh, really? <laughs> he speaks he speaks okay English, but it, it's funny the way he talks because he just rambles and it's just like you're trying to catch up. It's like <laughs> slow down, slow down. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um well we've got I think we've gotten over an hour about yeah. I think that ought to do it. All righty. I think I'm going to go pass out somewhere and get ready for another <laughs> five o'clock in the morning day tomorrow. So I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I have no hockey to watch. <laughs> yeah, I know it's killing me. It's killing <laughs> Not me. until Monday. <laughs> uh, Sharon, can, can you plug your, um, your social media for us, please? Oh yeah, sure. I'm at, uh, my Twitter is at Ronad LA, R O N A D L A. So that's, nice. that's where I am on Twitter. <laughs> Give Sharon a follow. Good follow. Good um, Bruins uh, diehard fan. Very knowledgeable and, and always uh, a pleasure to have her on the show. I hope to have you back soon. 
Um, yeah, it, it's been great. Thank you so much. This no is- problem at all. It's, it's, like, like I said, reach out to me if you ever want to talk over the off season. Um, I know we're going we're gonna to start taking uh, the weekends and putting our shows more towards the weeks and, and so I can enjoy my weekends and get some <laughs> golf. Get some golf. And I didn't golf at all last year. I was so busy, but I, uh, we're going to be making some changes. But uh, absolutely reach out if you ever want to come back on. I'd love to talk to you. And, and you know, of course, you know, have a couple hey. more of these. <laughs> Those, yeah, if, it wasn't a, if it wasn't a weeknight. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> All right, Sharon Dietz, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And um, I will get this out as soon as possible and, and, and drop it and tag you. And we can both share like wildfire. Thanks, Mark. And go Bruins! Absolutely. Can't wait to start on Monday and hopefully uh, bring home a Stanley Cup, the yes. Boston Bruins' seventh championship in franchise history. So It's so oh. amazing to be here if that happens. So yeah, I was I, in California the last time when they won. So geez. it's awesome to be home. The and woman of all travels. Yes. I know. <laughs> all right, Sharon. Thank you so much. And uh, right. we will definitely talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thank mm-hmm. you.